709 on CJAD. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. How are you, Josh? Excellent, as always, Dan. Great. And uh, this evening, uh, we're talking about the Kids Scoop with uh, founder Cindy Fagan, who joins us now. Cindy, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Great. Uh, so tell us first, as we uh, begin Today's Entrepreneur with the basics, tell us about the Kids Scoop and about what you do. Certainly. Well, KidScoop is a website. It's a destination website for parents uh, locally here in Montreal. We are very proud to say that we're Canadian national. So we are in Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. And what it is, is a website for parents like myself. I have a daughter who is eight years old, Ella, and a son who is uh, Caden, who's five and a half. And I use the site, as do parents in Montreal, to find local activities for children. And it's a place that enables me to save time and money because I can come to one place and find over 5,000 activities at any one time. I can find an activity, get a deal on that activity, and ultimately register online for that activity. Now, how did it start? I mean, did you was there this existing site before? Was there something that was haphazard? How did you really get into this or, or get this going? It started because of a personal experience. I was uh, a mom of a four-year-old and as many parents and your listeners that are listening, you can imagine typical morning sounds a lot like this. Get your hat, get your lunch, let's get out the door. And my daughter turned to me and said, mommy, I want to do hip hop. And I thought, I just figured out ballet. And so I went to the office and as most of us that are multitasking at lunch hour, I started to uh, have my lunch and I googled hip hop for kids in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And I started to pay attention to how, as parents, we get the job done to find activities for our kids. And I was a little less sleep-deprived at that point and started to dream of a different way of doing things. And I paid attention, actually, to a model that we're very familiar with, which is online dating websites. And uh, I figured that if, you know, we're all familiar with the idea that an online dating site matches us with someone that has similar interests, what if we could have that as parents? And so what I wanted was a place that would send me an email that said, hey, Cindy, here's everything for your daughter because she's four, she's interested in hip hop, she lives in this area and she's willing to drive to these areas. And so really more like a personal assistant. And that's what we did. We built a place where parents can come and find activities for the kids, but we match them so they register. It's free to register as a parent. They tell us the age of their kids, the neighborhoods they live in and are willing to drive to, and their activity interests. And then we remember their profile, like a dating site, and we send that family a profile scoop on what to do with their kids. It's amazing. You know, entrepreneurs, it's a great idea. And so many entrepreneurs have great ideas. But then there's always that first step from idea to actually turning it into a business, to getting some dollars into it, to figuring out how to set up the website. Maybe you can describe to us, Cindy, the first step or two that you have to take in making, taking this idea and making it into a real business. Absolutely. I mean, a, an idea is an idea unless you have a business plan. And so we started with a business plan. We've had many iterations of our business plan since. Um, we certainly adapted and listened to our customers as we've moved forward. But it started with a business plan. Um, it also started with needing to have some people that would be investing, you know, in terms of getting the job done to start to build the site and to really recognize what had to get done in terms of tactical steps. Have you run a business before this? When you're you're developing the business plan, what experience did you have in saying, "Hey, I got to hire people. I got to have cash flow." What kind of background or knowledge did you have 
in getting this business plan or these thoughts to paper? I, I call myself, I'm an entrepreneur today, but then I, I was an intrapreneur. And what I mean by that is that I've my, my career has always been in high tech and professional services um, in software, but I've always started businesses from ground zero and launched them uh, to ultimately to revenue and to being cash positive. And so for me, um, you know, these are steps that were very familiar. However, going out and raising financing and all of those pieces were, were entirely new. So business plan. What was your driving for it? Was it, I got to get money, so I got to do the business plan, or I got to do the business plan so I know where I'm headed and the money will come after? The, the business plan served a purpose to validate some of our assumptions, and then we had to ultimately go out and test it in with our customers. And so one of our first steps was to run a focus group. We actually built, we invested. One of our early, uh, my co-founder helped to invest some seed money to build a prototype. We ran a focus group back in December of 2008, way before we launched. We're four years old this June, but back then it was still um, you know, a prototype. We had 50 families that worked on the solution, and they were our early advisors as to what we needed to do. Then we went out and introduced it to some actual, um, the B2B side, the businesses like the retailers and service providers that would ultimately benefit from reaching parents. We really see ourselves as a, a matchmaker, if you will, between businesses and parents, creating a marketplace. And that's how we validated the business model at the very beginning. That uh, The part about, your, I guess, you, you had sort of like a demographic group or a, 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 a focus group at the beginning. That part is, is pretty interesting to me. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me more about how that came about and how you set up that, that group of people to test out well, what you're offering. Sure. Our 90% um, of our traffic is, is women. Women are the ministers of entertainment in the house, household, usually. Um, so they're Canadian women between the ages of 25 and 45. And how we went about getting the parents that were part of our uh, early focus group were through um, different forums. We used forums to recruit. Some of them were friends and family, but ultimately we wanted a good balance so they weren't all friends and family because that would be skewed, skewed criticism. And that's how we went about it. Great. Uh, and coming up, Josh, uh, more with the Kid Scoops, Cindy Fagan. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller of Fuller Landau for today's entrepreneur. And our guest this evening, Cindy Fagan of the Kid Scoop. And we were talking about business plan, not for the purpose of just validating your ideas, but also to go get financing. And I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that start up their business hoping that money's going to come in from somewhere. Some have a plan, some, some don't have a plan. But I'd love to hear from you, Cindy. When you went out, how did you get your money? Did you go to banks? Did you go to angel investors? Where did you find your first round of dollars? It's a good question, and hope is not a strategy. <laughs> Um, we, I think many of your listeners are probably familiar with Shark Tank and Dragon's Den and, and really the experience is not than that. And that is that we built a business plan, we built a, a deck, a pitch deck, and we went out and we evangelized uh, our vision to the investment community. So KidScoop has been very fortunate to have the support. We have seven angel investors. Um, that are based here in Quebec and also in Ontario. And they have really given us the opportunity to have the runway and to build the business and see it through to where it is today. Did you find all seven at once or did one breed the others? Um, not all at once. The, we did two rounds of financing. So the first round, the second round, uh, yes, were follow-on. So people that introduced us through uh, you know, existing investors. And many of the existing investors came in on the second round as well. Now, when they sit and they're, they're examining your business model, did it change? Did any of your model change along the way from the time that you sat down with them and say, okay, this is the idea to, okay, if you want to invest, maybe it has to change? 
Um, it did change in many ways, but in light of the question for the investors, I think that they would agree that the, the understanding and the urgency of going national became more and more obvious. We set out, um, we raised just over half a million dollars of, of financing. The, the vision was to build a scalable business that we would build it in Montreal in a very difficult market because the solution is uh, available in French and English. And if we could build it, you know, to be bilingual, it certainly could be trilingual if we were going into the U.S. And so that was the, the vision at the onset. Absolutely. Um, and so they really understood the importance of being national. And so that uh, is where they really helped to uh, bring us to that next level. Where the business model changed, to answer that question, certainly the essence of the model is still the same as it was uh, three and a half years ago. But one of the biggest surprises is that as, as KidScoop as a digital asset matured, um, and we have the, we've you know cut our teeth and we have the bruises to prove it, uh, many of the customers that we worked with would come to us and say, we want to do Facebook, but we don't know how. We want to turn Pinterest traffic into revenue. We want to have outbound marketing newsletters turn into in-store traffic. How do we do that? And so, so they were coming to you for consulting advice? Right, and that's what happened. And so one of the new additions to our own revenue model and our, and our business model is that we have given birth to a consulting arm um, where we are actually taking on the role of community managers and we're doing consulting um, for some of these clients. And that certainly wasn't anticipated four years ago, and it's a, a very creative piece of our model, and we, we quite enjoy that that piece. And um, everything we do in terms of how we built the business is about being able to look at ROI. And it's the same way for us with our customers in the consulting side. And, and it sounds like, you know, it was, a, it was a happy circumstance that this just developed into something that could generate and add to the bottom line for your investors. And when we come back, we'll talk about reporting to your investors and keeping tabs on your business. What are those key performance indicators and how does Cindy and the Kids Scoop monitor them? Today's Entrepreneur with our guest, Cindy Fagan of The Kid Scoop at 7.23. 7.25 on Today's Entrepreneur, our guest this evening is Cindy Fagan of The Kid Scoop, and we're talking about uh, this uh, this website, which keeps parents informed about activities they can plan for their kids. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's more it's a more complex uh, you know endeavor than uh, than one would assume. And, and uh, Cindy, you were talking about seven uh, total investors, these angels that we were talking about. Uh, do, what kind of, um, are, they, are they all silent partners? Do some contribute more than the others? And how do you sort of please seven investors all at once. Hmm, that's difficult uh, when you put it that way. Um, the way we keep them informed is we have quarterly uh, updates. So we have investor reviews where we sit down with the entire board. It's all usually done through conference call. And it's um, we look at our key performance indicators and look at how we're executing against the original business plan. And we do that on a, on a quarterly basis. Um, two of our investors are actually on our board. And with the board, we meet on a monthly basis. So this is very key for myself and my business partner, Jennifer Miller, because we, we need to really check in with them. They're fabulous in terms of giving us advice on some of our, our goals and our, our tactics. And uh, the beauty of having seven investors is that they all come from very diverse business backgrounds and different levels of experience. And we draw on that absolutely and tap into their networks whenever we can. You mentioned key performance indicators. I know that entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of them do tend to have a pulse on their business, but some of them are more gut, not actual look at the numbers, look at the figures, look at the information. What are your key performance indicators or KPIs? How do you keep track and stay on top of your business? Well, certainly revenue is a, a KPI for us. We have investors that we're accountable to. We have customers that we're accountable to. And we have employees who feed their families with the good work they do with KidScoop. So revenue is certainly a key performance indicator. Also for us, it's about building a great product and service and ultimately customer satisfaction. And the way we measure that is through returning customers, through renewals. We pay close attention to what happens in terms of 
behavior on our site. So we know how much time you spend on the site, which pages you come in on, where you leave. We look at how much time you spend on the site. These are all indicators for us in terms of how we're doing as a publisher of content and if we're publishing relevant content for our audience. And also, you know, is it fun? Is the team having a good, a fun experience where they're growing, where they're learning? Is it a game worth playing? And are we creating value? Do you ever bring back any focus groups to see if you're still on the right track with your target audience? Yes, absolutely. And our biggest focus group is um, the people that use our site, uh, our traffic. We look at where they spend time and what they do, what appetite they have for what type of content. And we do check in. We, um, we check in with universities often where we get to be part of their um, semester and they go out and do focus groups on our behalf. And so it's a very, very important piece of our feedback. A website is something that's constantly evolving like any business, but um, you know, we've had five different iterations of our site over the last uh, four years. And as I say to my husband, a website is like decorating your home. It'll never be over. <laughs> Don't we all know that? In any event, <laughs> you're, you're, we're, I'm curious to know outsourcing versus doing things in-house. You're mentioning a lot of KPIs. You're mentioning a lot of monitoring, uh, the site that you have to keep up to date constantly. How much do you outsource and versus in the beginning versus today? Or what do you, what do, you do in-house? Excellent question. We we definitely outsource more at the at the onset, um, and a lot of what we take on now inside the team is around search engine optimization expertise and really understanding our own analytics. This is something you can't outsource. It's it's like understanding the numbers in your bank account. You have to understand why people are coming in, what they're reading, what they're what they're they're enjoying, and what they're not. Um, so for us, we, we have seven employees in the team, uh, four of which are on the content side, uh, headed up by my partner, Jennifer Miller, who is our editor. And um, we have two in sales, one in R&D, and then we have a handful of very important uh, consultants that work with us for finance and legal, etc. Is this common knowledge? Did you have to train your team to understand these bits of information, these KPIs, these SEO part of it? Do they know it? Did you hire people with knowledge or did you train them? Um, it's a bit of both. Most of us have come from, all of us have done big and small, so we've worked for large organizations and small startups, and so that was important to have a good mix in the team. We have a lot of people that are very comfortable being customer interfacing and others that are really comfortable just focusing on the very important back-end pieces of our business. Um, all of us had a real strong um, focus on customer satisfaction. That was very, very important for us, and we understood intuitively that as we built our business, we wanted to build it with our customers um, to ensure renewal. So Everything we do is built with uh, an ROI in mind for the customer as well. So uh, very uniquely, we sit down with every customer and look at stats to understand how they've done on our site. And we adjust our plans based on, on that recipe. Finding the right people, that's what's coming up next after the break. All right, on Today's Entrepreneur with the Kid Scoops, Cindy Fagan. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. And our guest this evening is Cindy Fagan of the Kid Scoop, a website which helps parents across Canada really plan activities for their kids and uh, personalize you know, those plans. It's, uh, it's a very neat website. I'm on it now. And uh, you can tell that there's uh, a lot of work that goes into sort of putting all this content uh, uh, on, the, on the site. And, and all that content requires people right a lot of uh, a lot of manpower so uh, so Cindy tell us about the HR aspect of your business and how do you go about finding the right people to pump out so much so much content geared towards parents well the success of kids coop is absolutely because of the team that we have and the fantastic content as you say that we're putting out I mean on an average month we're publishing anywhere between 40 and 50 newsletters and articles that are pretty much localized by province and so it's really 
really dependent on a fantastic team. And um, and so the way we go about that is uh, a number of ways. Some of it is um, advertorial content. There's a piece of it, of course, it is. Uh, but it has to be unique content. And we look at the data and our audience is very clear to us that they prefer content that is unique and local and not canned. Um, and so we write a lot of content about what's going on. And we have local resources that are in the actual um, areas in the provinces. So for us, a lot of it has to be user gen, community driven. So we have parents and businesses that suggest different topics. And we um, tap into those resources quite a bit. And your team that you work with, were they easy to find? Do they understand the model? How do you keep them all on the same page? Ah, well, um, easy to find. Uh, no, finding fantastic people, are, it's very hard, but we've been very, very fortunate to have a very solid team that has stayed with us. There's been some changes, but the core team today has been with us for the last three and a half years. And I would say that the reason that they have stuck with us is because they've really bought in very early on in the process, really understood the vision of what we're trying to create. And it's been an absolute privilege to have them stay with us and have them be there for some of the key milestones to see us actually realize a national vision. A proud founder. Yes, very proud. <laughs> Let, let's come back to uh, what you were talking about before. As you're, you know, you're, you're national. You're trying to find your the businesses that are online that you want to match to to the parents that are mm -hmm. on site. How do you find them? How do they find you? I mean, you know, I've gone on site and you know I've seen uh, you know a whim gym or a, a gymnastics area seen lingerie how do you choose them you notice the lingerie <laughs> well i think dan noticed it i just kind of picked up on it <laughs> the change lingerie is one of our success most successful advertisers so unless it's my husband clicking on those ads moms <laughs> like to come to the site to find activities for their kids but at the same time find things that are for themselves um and so it's so not a total loss it's not total us. <laughs> so the answer to your question, Josh, is that um, there's a number of ways that we can go about that. That's our that's our secret sauce, if you will. Much of it is user gen. So it's the parents themselves that are out there in the communities that are suggesting to us businesses that should be in the directory. Um, and let's be clear, if we take an example as in Montreal, if you're looking for a soccer school, if you know of National Soccer School, you're going to go to their website. And that's the way we want it. However, if you're going to Google um, soccer for kids in Montreal, all, you're more likely going to find KidScoop, and that's really the business that we're in, is those parents that are searching for net new ideas. Um, and that's our job. We see ourselves as we need to give you the one soccer school you know of and maybe five you've never thought of. And that's why our database is, as I said, 5,000 strong and, and deep. Would you say that that you uh, you you go out and find ideas more, or do the ideas come to you? Because just looking at the page here, there's just a ton of activities for for kids uh, around the Montreal area over the next two weeks. I mean, you can keep uh, your kids busy for you know around the clock, pretty much. You so, sound frightened. Uh, well, I, I don't have kids. It's a yet, full time but, job. Yes. Yeah, so, so how do you where do well what, how do you get the ideas, uh, or do you solicit them more than they come to you? It's really a mixture of both, and it depends on which market you're in. So certainly now that we've been in Montreal for over three and a half years, uh, a lot of it comes to us. We have an initial seed database that we work with. Um, many of those customers have renewed with us year over year. And when we go into new markets, it's a bit of a different recipe, um, but much of it is user gen. So it's the businesses themselves that are nominating themselves or parents themselves. How do you get the word out to your target audience? How do you get people... How, how are people driven to your site? Ah, well, we eat our own dog food. And what I mean by that is that um, as I we... I thought she was going to say, wear our own lingerie. 
Well, we do. <laughs> um, and so the, we eat our own dog food in the sense that what we recommend to our clients in terms of how to go about the best way to, um, you know, get the visibility in front of our visitor traffic, in front of our subscribers, those that get our newsletters and those that are on our social platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, that you really have to approach it with an integrated approach. And uh, frequency, like in print advertising, is very, very important in digital. So for us, how we go about it is very much the same recipe. Um, we, we look at paid search. It's not a long-term strategy. It's certainly effective when you're going into new markets. But for us, uh, really good content that is relevant to my audience that people will find on search is the way we go about it. So people find us on search. Uh, organic traffic is a big part of how we build our business. And then we do things like referring traffic. So using social platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, very important for us. We see a direct correlation from those efforts driving over traffic to our site. And then also getting out into the communities and doing traditional marketing, what I call direct traffic, where you'll often see our postcards in pediatrician offices and, and libraries and such. Now, if you look, you know, I ask this question often, but I'm curious, in the last four years, as you look back and all the areas that you had to go through, is there anything that you would, with the knowledge you have today, is there anything you would have done differently over the last four years? Any either errors or a fork in the road that you maybe should have gone left instead of right? Oh, absolutely. Um, only only one, two. I, I can tell you, I can share two with you. Certainly the first would be that um, we spent quite a bit of time in Montreal before we went into Toronto. We wanted to be ready. And um, we actually stood up Toronto in five weeks and it felt easy. And so in retrospect, we wondered if maybe we should have gone into new markets a bit sooner. Um, the other learning is around money and um, and around raising money. And one lesson learned is that you should always be raising money and um, that raising money is, is critical to your business. Uh, it's time consuming and certainly um, almost a distraction when you're a lean team and you need to be building and operating your company. And so the lesson learned there is, um, you know, to raise what you need rather than do incremental raises if you can. And does that mean that you learned a lot about cash flow and cash flow management over these I last I certainly did. I certainly did. Certainly, as you have to, I guess, respond to your investors at the same time. What about, you know, you, you've spoken a little bit about, or a lot about your website, and it's all, it's all online, and you develop it yourself. Research and development tax credits, did they come into play when you were looking at your cash flow and, and dollars and cents? Absolutely. In every, um, in every um, uh, cash flow uh, projections that we looked at, we included R&D tax credits, and we have assumptions around what would be eligible. And uh, we learned, learned how to do that the hard way. Um, but that was an incredibly important piece of uh, why we're here in Quebec building the solution, and we've definitely leveraged R&D tax credits. Now, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you learned from the first application you made to maybe a more recent one. Document everything. <laughs> um, and, and that's really ultimately the truth. You know, as you're building a site and you're doing testing and 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 uh, changing a button here and failing ultimately um, and having to try again, you really need to be documenting all of that. And I think that's what a, a lot of people miss is that you're building a website, but if you can document all of what was going into making some of the decisions that you made and the testing, all of that is necessary to build your case for R&D tax credits. And I think you make a very interesting point. It's you have to document 
not your successes, but your failures. Your failures. Because that's what proves to the government that you actually are changing something and making it go forward. And the government seems like a natural partner for this type of business, right? To get kids out there participating in activities, many of which are put on by cities. Uh, how, how helpful has that been for your business? Um, certainly that's been very important. Um, now, many of the... Now, here's the thing. If I live in a particular neighborhood, I'm I'm typically very aware of what's what the city is offering. So I think where we really add value for a parent is giving them the scoop on those little providers, you know, that, that arts and crafts studio on the fourth floor that has a waiting list that the moms in the know know about. Mm-hmm. And that's the real scoop. But certainly we have everything nuts to bolts, private and public in the Kids Scoop database. Now, are you sure it's just for kids? Because this breakfast with the wolves thing looks pretty cool. <laughs> you get to feed breakfast to wolves in St. Anne de Bellevue. And I want to do that. Can I do that? <laughs> you no? can absolutely do uh, that. You're a big kid, Dan. Come on. <laughs> uh, the Kids Scoop Cindy Fagan on today's Entrepreneur. After the break, we'll bring in Stephanie Darwish on the communications uh, social media angle and talk about e-newsletters and how that can benefit your business. That's after the break on today's Entrepreneur. 749 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller of Fuller Landau with our guest, Cindy Fagan of the Kids Scoop. And we also bring into the conversation Stephanie Darwish. Uh, she deals with with uh, communications marketing issues at Flo Landau. And uh, Stephanie, we're going to talk about e-newsletters because this is something that the Kids Scoop does. And uh, should everyone have an an e-newsletter, perhaps? Should we begin there? I I think so. It's actually e-newsletters is how I started my career in marketing. And I fell in love with them because they're such an easy way to engage with your contacts. And uh, while I obviously love Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest and the millions of other tools are out there. I'll always have a place near and dear to my heart for e-newsletters. Now, is it for everybody? Can so can any business provide an e-newsletter? Uh, with all the tools out there now, yes. There's there's hundreds, but I can name five of them for you right now. <laughs> five are good to start with. <laughs> of um, email marketing tools out there, and if you're a non-for-profit, oftentimes they're free. If you're not a non-profit, then they're pretty affordable. What about frequency? Uh, you know, you don't want to send one out, send them out too often because then you're going to sort of bug your your clientele. Yeah. What's, a, what's a good you know frequency to send out these? I think it, I think it it depends on who you are and what you're selling. But um, for us at Fuller Landau, I don't like to do more than a couple a week to the same segment because this is this is accounting news, and oftentimes we're sending out uh, tax information. We're not sending out. Uh, sales. We're not sending out. Uh, so e newsletters is good for regardless how exciting or not exciting it is. Hey, tax news is exciting, Josh. <laughs> Especially around personal income tax tips. <laughs> any co- speaking of tips, any couple of tips for that you give for people sending out e newsletters? I have some. I have some. Especially my first one is going to be especially for the kids scoop because I know they do it so well. Is segmentation and personalization, and they you guys do it to a level that I can I can only aspire to. Um, I, I don't like getting, ge- myself as a consumer, do not like getting general content. And I will read something that I know is geared to me. And I just, I really love the way you guys, or I shouldn't say you ladies, um, personalize your e-newsletters because it's it's to their age group. It's to your interest too. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm, that's exactly right. Yeah. So let's talk about that, Cindy. So, so tell us about how your e-newsletter works and how do you personalize that content for, for the users? Well, we have a number of newsletters that go out and they're different subjects. So the first one is tailored, as Stephanie mentioned, and it's tailored by your child's age, uh, activity interests, and neighborhoods. So if you're a hockey family, you won't get soccer. Um, and so that is one of our most successful uh, newsletters and it's automated. It happens once a month. We also 
have other newsletters that are varied. So there's top picks on what to do this weekend. There's top five indoor play centers. Um, and so we really make sure that we that the, the content is varied and uh, our customers count on that. And so, as you said earlier, being able to send a newsletter is a privilege. It's a privilege of access to come into my inbox, and we need to take that very seriously. And so we need to make sure that the content is, there's a variety there and it's fresh. Any other tips, Steph? Um, I do. I have uh, the subject line, which is an often forgotten craft and very difficult to do. Very difficult because you only have, I think, 50 characters, really, with space. So um, I like to... Uh, split test our e-newsletters. I'll send to half the people one subject line and the other half another subject line. And I will compare my results. And I am constantly working at this because I don't think I'll ever be great at it. It's such a hard skill. Sounds like e-newsletters, if you target your market, you target your audience very specifically, it's what will work best. And I think when we come back from the break, maybe another tip or two from Stephanie's newsletters before we get to the one piece of advice from Cindy about t- for today's entrepreneur. And it's uh, 7.53 on CJD. 7.55 remaining moments on today's Entrepreneur. Our guests are Cindy Fagan from The Kids Scoop and Stephanie Darwish uh, talking about e-newsletters. Uh, Stephanie does marketing at Fuller Landau. And, uh, and we're talking about how it's really beneficial to have these. Uh, don't do it too often. And, uh, and where do you go uh, to, to get some of these uh, e-newsletter services? Uh, so, Stephanie, some more tips, please. Okay, great. Um, did I talk about subject line? Yes, yes did. I did. Okay, great. Moving on. <laughs> Then let's talk about testing your emails because everybody reads their email in a either different browser or different email provider. So if I have a Hotmail account and I'm using Firefox, it might look different than if I'm checking my Hotmail on my iPhone. So uh, oftentimes uh, the companies that help you create these newsletters, whether they're do-it-yourselves or a service provider, can do a validation test. Sometimes it costs extra. It's always worth it. At least spot checking every so often that your your HTML is looking right and being rendered correctly across all platforms and all emails because your credibility and professionalism is that first look mm-hmm. and spend the time, spend the money, spend the testing on checking to make sure it all looks right. And that that's probably my main my my one beef when it comes to e newsletters is that they always look you know a little bit messed up depending on what where you're seeing them. Exactly, exactly. Testing is huge. If you don't test in, in any part of the business, I mean, e newsletters is one of them. But you always got to test to make sure that you're doing the right thing, going the right direction. Any other items that you want to test for uh, with e newsletters? This is not so much a testing thing, but if you're, you're you, you've sent out this great e newsletter, you've got great content, it looks great. You've got them to actually click on the link. And then they click on the link and you're taking them to a page that's a disaster. So you've lost all that hard work you've done. So I really believe that where you're taking them, that landing page, is just as important as the actual e-newsletter itself. Great. Any one last one? You said you had five of them or with that five? Four and a half. Four and a half. <laughs> that's okay. That's great. I, I think they're excellent tips. Again, it comes back to testing, making sure that you're spending your dollars in the right way and that your target audience is actually seeing what you want them to see. So as we come to the end of the show, you know, we turn to Cindy and, you know, forewarn there, everybody knows the question's coming, but Cindy, what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur? Other than keep your day job with benefits, right? Other other (laughs) than that. (laughs) Well, for me, it's really do your homework. And I, what I mean by that is really understand the essence of why you're trying to do, um, why you want to get into this business. And so for me, it's imagine your worst day possible and decide you still want to do it. 
and and do your homework in the sense of, you know, make sure that you have a resource, a network of resources, because inevitably with the best business plan, things will change. The market conditions will change. Your equity position will change. Team members will change. And you really need to come back to be able to go to those resources and be able to come back to the essence of why you got into it in the first place to be able to persevere and see it through to your vision. And I think, you know, I, that was a takeaway I had in my own head is as you listen to the story that, that Cindy described and the, and the models and, and how she worked with her investors and how they planned with the business plan and took their website and created and had their focus group, it was all about planning. It was all about thinking ahead. It was not about randomness. It was not about dumb luck all the time. It was about thinking ahead and bringing the right people on board, testing it properly as we just talked about. And that's what makes the entrepreneur. It's, it's not just closing your eyes and hoping it will happen. That hope that we talked about before, you can have it, but you better have it on the side. It can't be your, the, the foremost thought in your mind. It's being prepared, doing your homework, and only then can you persevere amongst the changes that will ultimately take base, place in any business life. Cindy Fagan of The Kids Scoop. The website is thekidscoop.com. Thanks so much for being a part of today's Entrepreneur. Oh, it's a privilege. I really enjoyed myself. Thanks so much for having me. And we thank Jennifer Miller, who's sitting in the corner ever so quietly, <laughs> although you hear a laugh every now and then. <laughs> and Stephanie Darwish, thank you for your tips on thank e-newsletters. You. Don't forget you can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit their website at www.flmontreal.com. This is News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.